Welcome to this podcast from St. Mary's, the University Church. With the recent guidance of the Archbishops, public worship will not be offered in church for the foreseeable future. But we hope that these podcasts, with their combination of word and music, will provide you with some spiritual resources over the coming days. The fourth Sunday of Lent is usually kept as Mothering Sunday. One of the traditions associated with this day is that people, particularly those in service, would go home to be with their families. Of course, this week, many of us are at home. Some will be with friends and family, others alone. Others, particularly medical staff, will be at work. But through these podcasts, we hope to maintain a sense of connection and that sense of community which so many of us value about St Mary's. In a moment, Judith Maltby will offer a reflection on the story of the man born blind in John chapter 9. It's the Gospel reading appointed for the fourth Sunday of Lent. It offers an opportunity for us to reflect on the importance of encounter and relationship, which is perhaps only accentuated by the isolation and separation that many of us are experiencing at the moment. The Church exists to build communion, a communion which arises out of our shared encounter with Jesus Christ. And yet during these days of Lent, we have come to experience a curious form of quarantine. Of course, the origin of this word is associated with 40 days of isolation in order to avoid contagion or disease. It also reminds us of those 40 days of Lent when we remember the 40 days Jesus spent in the wilderness. It reminds us that even as we embrace this social distancing, this quarantine in order to break the chain of infection, So during these days of Lent, we will continue to encounter Christ and to care for one another. So let us pray that through this experience, we will be drawn into greater communion with Christ and with one another. Let us pray. Merciful Lord, absolve your people from their offences that through your bountiful goodness we may all be delivered from the chains of those sins which by our frailty we have committed. Grant this, Heavenly Father, for Jesus Christ's sake, our blessed Lord and Saviour, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.
reading from the Holy Gospel according to St John. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbours and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, 
now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You are born entirely in sin, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Gospel reading this morning, appointed by the lectionary, is long. It is very long. In some ways, the healing of the man born blind is like a short play with a number of acts, complex in plot, with multiple characters. And who is the main character? Who is the protagonist in this story? The man born blind or Jesus? Strikingly, the man born blind is on stage almost entirely throughout the passage. Jesus, however, is off stage for most of it. Off stage, yet even when out of sight, even when not on the page, his is the presence which drives the story. He is the real target of the religious leaders. The formerly blind man is simply collateral damage as far as they are concerned. They have bigger game in mind. Now the story begins in a way familiar enough to anyone with a passing acquaintance with the Gospels. That is, the disciples say something stupid. I mean, really stupid. Rabbi, who sinned? 
this man or his parents that he was born blind. The connection between disability and sin or affliction and sin as a punishment by a punishing kind of God is a theological attitude with a long pedigree. One can almost hear Jesus's exasperation. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. The disciples are doing bad theology. Jesus will have none of it. Jesus sees this as an occasion in which the works of God can be revealed. This is his last miracle before his most important and last in John's gospel, the one that points most forcibly that Jesus is Lord over life and death, the raising of Lazarus. Well, the formerly blind man is now back in the old neighborhood. His own neighbors are disquieted. They don't like the fact that he isn't blind anymore. It disturbs their sense of order, perhaps. What should be a sense of joy becomes a source of quarrel. Who did it? How did he do it? Where is the healer now? Arguments erupt between those who think he has been healed and those who think there's some sort of fraud going on. What there isn't is any joy. No praise, no thanking God, no taking of encouragement. In the face of God's mercy and goodness, there is only factionalism and quarrel. But that is not the worst of the formerly blind man's troubles. We then get the senior clergy involved. This healing took place on the Sabbath. Uh-oh. In the bizarre moral economy of the Pharisees, for which there are plenty of Christian analogues, let's remember, if it really was a miracle, if the man really was healed, it makes the healer's action a sin. They press the man. He says Jesus is a prophet. They haul the poor man's frightened parents over the coals. They pass the buck back to their son. He is interrogated again. Even the formerly blind man, and who can blame him, is forced into a defensive position. It must be beginning to wonder if his healing was in fact, at best, a mixed blessing. The religious leaders are in a bind here. Either they must accept that the man has really been healed and that that healer is a person of God, or they must continue in their fundamentalism about the Sabbath and reject both the one who is healed and his healer. They, of course, choose their institutional fundamentalism and excommunicate the formerly blind man. Note here that no one has expressed any joy, any praise for what God has done. Not the neighbors or the clergy or his parents. Even the man himself has been forced into the role of a defendant. The final act. Rejected by the church, Jesus now reappears in the man's life. Where has he been? 
John doesn't tell us. No doubt hanging out with all the wrong kind of people. The man's faith is still rather unformed. He has been defending Jesus without knowing really who he is or the real source of his authority. Jesus is a patient teacher with him. The one speaking with you is he, he says, and adds uncomfortably, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. The religious leaders don't like that one bit and take exception. But Jesus doesn't let them off the hook. Little wonder that the next passage in John's Gospel is Jesus's homily on the Good Shepherd. Far from being a cozy metaphor, it is a searing indictment of precisely the poor and abusive pastoring the formerly blind man has received from the hands of precisely the people who should be the pastors of God's people, their shepherds. With such a story so rich in detail and irony, a great number of observations could be made, but as it was a long gospel, let's keep this a short sermon. Here are two to offer for your own speculation. First of all, sin is a recurring topic in this drama. The disciples ask, who sinned, this man or his parents? For Jesus, it's the wrong question. For the religious leaders, it is absolutely the right question, and they have the right answer. They know who sinners are, that's their job after all, and Jesus is one of them. But it is them at the close of this drama that bear the label sinners. The story of the man born blind is in part a story about false certitude of the religiously correct. We have all been warned. Second, as noted, Jesus is largely off stage for most of this drama, but is in fact its center. He reappears after the man who has been in the face of aggressive questioning about who Jesus is. The man is in many ways agnostic about who Jesus is, but he stands fast to his experience of Jesus. Is he a prophet, a sinner? One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. This reminds us all that the life of faith in Christ is first not about certainty, about a set of dogmas about him, but about a relationship and encounter with him. One thing I do know, that although I was blind, now I see. Amen.
Heavenly Father, on this first Sunday when we are all separated from our church community, we ask for your peace and mercy in this unprecedented time. Peace to quell our fear and anxieties in the face of the COVID-19 virus, and mercy to empower all those who strive to help and heal in this time of trial. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Empower your church, O Lord, to be a beacon of hope for those in need. For the sake of those who are at risk, those who are unable to provide for themselves, and those who are lonely, give your people generous hearts and the willingness to serve our neighbor in new and creative ways. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are sick, especially those infected with the COVID-19 virus. Give them patience to endure in their suffering and the strength to recover and grant wisdom and precision to doctors, nurses, and all healthcare providers, that they might be agents of your healing grace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our leaders, O God, that in this time of crisis, you would give them wisdom in their decision-making and strength of will for the difficult days ahead. Especially we pray for politicians, medical experts, researchers in pursuit of a cure, and hospital administrators. Keep their minds clear and focused and bestow on them the moments of rest they need to do the important work ahead. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. On this Mothering Sunday, we give you thanks, O God, for all the women who are called to the vocation of parenthood. Give them encouragement in the task of raising children, affirmation for the goodness and importance of their work, grace to endure the difficulties of parenting, and rest to enjoy the love of their families. Especially we pray for those who have strained or difficult relationships with their children or with their own mothers, and we ask that a spirit of hope and forgiveness might move in those families afflicted by division and pain. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. On this day, we also give you thanks for those women called to vocations other than motherhood. As we celebrate mothers today, endow those who have accepted your call to other walks of life with a sense of peace and affirmation of your loving will for their lives. Grant all who have elected not to have children a renewed confidence in your call, that they might be beneficiaries of all the many ways to share in your love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving God, as our heavenly parent, you show us the way to love one another. As we celebrate mothers this day, teach us all to care for one another with the full depth of your compassion. And in this season of fear and anxiety, as we separate ourselves for each other's protection, remind us of the love we still receive, even from those with whom we cannot be at present, and call us back to your loving embrace as the source and goal of our being. Amen. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Savior has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, 
forever and ever. Amen. Christ give you grace to grow in holiness, to deny yourselves, take up your cross, and follow him. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.